Hello, everybody. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whenever you are listening. Welcome to another edition of Ike Badgers Podcast. My name is Coach Riley. You can follow me on Twitter at Badgers Riley, all one word. Make sure you are also following Ike Badgers Podcast. You can follow them at Ike underscore Badgers. This is a weekly podcast moving forward. Uh, my name, again, is Coach Riley, and I will be taking care, leading you guys through a quick, brief rundown of what that Notre Dame game looked like. I know we all want to keep that in our rearview mirrors. And we will preview the Michigan game moving forward. That game is in Madison, October 2nd, this Saturday, 11 a.m. on Fox again. Another big noon kickoff game. I know we all have mixed feelings about those. But the results are in. Um, Wisconsin is getting views at the national level. Now, the results aren't quite there. and They're not what we want. But the views are there. Um, so take that for what it is. I know uh, 11 a.m. kickoff. We hope the crowd is all there, student section including. Um, but let's uh, take a look at uh, last week's unfortunate game against Notre Dame. Again, as we know, a 41 to 13 final score and really that was not an indicator of what this game looked like uh i mean notre dame scored 31 points in the fourth quarter um besides that the highest scoring quarter for anybody was 10 in the second quarter um so uh, wisconsin brought a 30 or 13 to 10 lead into in all oh, through the fourth quarter um and uh, things fell apart very quickly. Graham Mertz threw two interceptions in pretty dire need. Uh, there's a pick six. Uh, things got ugly out of hand. The defense for Wisconsin played great, and 41 points is such a tough look for anybody that didn't watch this game and just looked at box scores. A 41-13 would be an indicator of a blowout. That's not what this game was. Wisconsin looked good and they were in a position to win a game i shouldn't say look good they looked like they were in the position to win the game um i mean up into the fourth quarter again things fell apart i'm just going to go over some quick stats um the one that blair is is super glaring is graham mertz 18 for 41 (sighs) yikes um 240 yards one touchdown Four interceptions, a 17.6 quarterback rating, according to ESPN. Uh, it's uh, it's an ugly game on paper, and it wasn't very pretty in person as well, or at least on TV where I watched, where most of the people watched. Um, Graham Mertz had a few good throws, but mostly it was a poor performance. And I just want to say I have been a Graham Mertz supporter and I don't know where I stand right now, to be honest. I, I would probably have to look at myself in a mirror on how I feel. I think Graham Mertz has the physical tools. I think uh, he's shown it um, against lesser opponents for one Illinois in his first game. And last week, even against Eastern Michigan, he has shown this is a kid that maybe won't win you ball games, but he can be enough of a game manager and maybe even plus. Um to not lose ball games. But with that being said, his numbers against better opponents are 
for lack of a better term, awful. Um, and he has shown through what he has played anyways, and that's not a ton of games yet, um, that he can lose you ball games, and that's and I, I hate to put a loss on one person, but uh, there's a lot of this game where you say, well, if Graham Mertz made this throw, if Graham Mertz did this, if he saw this read, maybe the game is different. Again, I hate putting a loss on one person, but he is a very big sore spot on this game. Um, looking at the rushing, Ches Malusi had 18 carries, 54 yards. That's only three yards per carry. John Chanel was uh, three carries with 11 yards as a second leading rusher. <coughs> Jalen Berger only had one carry. Isaac Rendo, four carries for five yards. Um, overall, 28 carries for 78 yards. And that's, you know, that's not a Wisconsin standard. I will say, before I get a little bit into it, I don't believe this to be the offensive line's fault. Um, And let me explain that a little bit more. Um, It is damn hard to run the football when a defense does not respect your passing game in any fashion. And that was very clear in this game. Um, Graham Mertz came out and made some throws and the running game looked okay and then things flipped Mertz struggled and the running game completely shut down Um, Notre Dame was really loading the box they were really daring coach Chris to call passes Um, so before we say well the offensive line struggled they only had 78 yards rushing it's, it's very hard to say that's the offensive line's fault when you, you just cannot move the ball through the air effectively. It's, it's just it's, it's very hard. You start loading the box and there are unblocked people in the box. And um, maybe the offensive line isn't quite to the standard, but I, I, I just don't think they were a weakness in this game. Um, most of the game, Graham Mertz also had time in the pocket. He just didn't make throws. Uh, moving to the receiving, Kendrick Pryor was the highest, or the most had the most receptions and had the most receiving yards. Six receptions, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, had a nice 22-yard pass reception. Uh, Danny Davis, five receptions, 64 yards. Clay Cundiff had a big 43-yarder. That was a, a and that was a good Graham Mertz play. Um, could have led his man a little bit more. Maybe it was a touchdown. But either way, it's a 43-yard explosive play that the offense lacked the rest of the game. Ches Malusi had two receptions for 39 yards. Jake Ferguson only had one reception for 11 yards. Jalen Berger had a reception for eight yards. Isaac Rendo two receptions for six yards. Um, overall, eight receptions for, as a team for 240 passing yards and one receiving touchdown. Um, and if you look at this on film, there were guys open. There uh, were missed reads. There were just reads not even seen by Graham Mertz. Um, and I'm trying not to pick on the guy too much. I really, I really am. So I'm going to keep moving on here. Um, that's the box score. Again, the defense was dominant. Looking at Notre Dame stats, uh, they had 239 passing yards. So Wisconsin actually had a one yard more passing yards. Not that that matters much. But as a net rushing team, Notre Dame had nine yards on the ground. Nine. 
Kyron Williams was their leading rusher with 18 carries for 33 yards. That's 1.8 average. That is dang impressive by this defense. I mean, wow. Uh, the thing that pops out and makes this a, a stat that brings it back is Jack Cohn. And, 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 you know, with some sacks in here, nine carries, negative 19 yards. Um, it's, it was impressive. The defense was as dominant as you can ask a defense to be. And Notre Dame still put 41 points on the board. That's why I I, I just want to be done with this game. There was so much hype to this game. And it was uh, it was a letdown. Um, so I'm just going to go over some real quick notes on this game. Three positives and three negatives with the game against Notre Dame last week. Um, one positive, the offensive line looks improved. Um, there was the first week against Penn State, it was... Uh, for lack of a better term, a struggle on the offensive line. They had guys uh, like, I mean, uh, they had a, a freshman start. You know, Jack Nelson's a freshman, and he's he's dang good. But offensive line, you, it's, it's more than being good. There's a chemistry involved, um, and there was some clear growing pains. Um, and Wisconsin, even up until, well, the first three games, they have been rotating offensive linemen and that leads me to believe there isn't a huge separator from this first team to the second team and they're still trying to figure out what this best fit on the offensive line is um i don't know how i feel about rotating offensive linemen um i i I don't think it's this thing where you can say whoa that's just not going to work maybe it does for them the first game, it, it, it didn't work. It was a struggle the first game. Eastern Michigan, they looked good again, but that is a lesser opponent. But Notre Dame, I don't think the offensive line was the problem in any matter. Again, it's hard to run the ball when they're loading the box and don't respect a pass game. So I put that down as one positive that I found. Um, and I wrote that down because I know a lot of national media outlets won't be okay with that they, they they think this offensive line needs to have two three first round picks like a typical offensive line from wisconsin has and this team isn't that but i think uh, you know I, th- I think there's some solid college players you look at tyler beach struggled his first game he had an okay game Bruss had an okay game um one guy that did struggle um against Notre Dame. Well, I, I should say there are a few guys that struggled against Notre Dame, but the outside, the tackles looked much better than they did the first week. And the guard center guard combo was maybe not uh, as improve as much of improvement as we want, but I, I don't think they were the problem. So I put that down as a positive. Uh, number two is a very, very easy one to say. The defense is dominant. It, it just is. You know, they they were able to stranglehold Notre Dame quite a bit. Um, everybody loaded this up as a, a Jack Cohn redemption game. Jack Cohn did not rip this defense apart in any matter. And, you know, I, I love Jack Cohn, but I am very glad that that didn't happen because, man, that would just grind my gears hearing that national media talk about, oh, Jack Cohn ripped this apart. Uh, Drew Pine came in, Notre Dame's backup, and actually third string because their their backup, Buckner, or Buchner, however you pronounce that, was uh, not 100%. So they didn't put him in. And and Drew Pine, 
uh, granted a four-star recruit, not a complete scrub. He had a you, – you could tell Jim Leonard puts a lot into their game script because they could great game script around Jack Cohn. Drew Pine offers a little bit different, and uh, the offense moved the ball a little bit better just because it's a different look for defense. Um, anyways, again, nine net rushing yards. I mean, that is incredible from this defense. Jack Cohn was on the grass a lot of this game. Uh, I mean, there were – and granted, offensive line for Notre Dame has been a big issue, but uh, this defense it looks like the real deal. My third positive is Fayon Hicks. He looks like he can be the guy. Then um, he came out of the game banged up a bit, but uh, he was he he looked like a shutdown corner from time to time in this game. Um, quickly go through these negatives, and I've mentioned uh, I mentioned one of them. And the first one is super. Uh, obvious Graham Mertz um again I don't want to pick on the guy but 18 for 41 one touchdown four interceptions is not what Wisconsin needs um and I hate to say I hate to be this blunt but Wisconsin just needs an average offense with the way the defense is if you have an average offense this is a good team when we are turning the ball over when we are not executing in the red zone this team isn't as nearly as good as it could be so four turnovers isn't going to get it done. Um, even eliminating all the missed throws and the overthrows that he had, four turnovers alone puts him as a negative for me. Second negative, Wisconsin lost the special teams game. And obviously something that really turned the tides in this game was that kick return touchdown. Um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is at this point. Uh, special teams you you want when you're a team that isn't you know executing on offense the way as it should you, you want to be sound in the other two areas defense is very sound special teams just got to clean it up a bit especially on the kickoff team um, third one offensive play calling I don't know what happened to Chris and, and it might be um, because there is just no confidence in the quarterback right now but the play calling is just very vanilla um, and you saw what Chris can do when he came out of halftime and was able to make a play script. Wisconsin went down the field and, and looked like a different team offensively. Um, and then they got away from that. But Chris, he has the ability to be a good offensive play caller. I just want to see him spice it up. And I'll talk about this deeper when we go into this Michigan game. This is a perfect segue to go right into this Michigan game. Again, this is a game in Madison, uh, October 2nd, this Saturday at 11 a.m. on Fox. Um, You know, Michigan... Well, Wisconsin, I'll start there. They're one and two. We all know this. Um, they had a tough loss in a game that they should have, you know, it, it was a very capable game to win against Penn State. They were in it the whole way. And if their offense was even average, I think they win that game. Eastern Michigan, Wisconsin dominated on every part of the ball. It was a good win. And it really led us to believing, okay, Maybe this team is better than we thought. And then last week against Notre Dame, a 41-13 loss. So Wisconsin's 1-2. Michigan is 4-0. They won their first game versus Western Michigan where they put up 47 points. They beat Washington 31-10. They beat Northern Illinois 63-10. All three of those games were at home in Ann Arbor. Um, The last game 
last week uh, was their homecoming against Rutgers, uh, where they won 20 to 13. Michigan got off to a big lead. It looked like they were going to run away with it. And then in the second half of that game, Michigan only had two first downs. So the offense um, looked great for Michigan the first three games. Granted, it's Western Michigan, Washington, and Northern Illinois, not exactly powerhouses right now. Um, But the Rutgers game, they could have ran away with early, and they really let Rutgers hang around, and Rutgers only lost by seven points. Um, It uh, uh, Let's go into that box score a little bit. was uh, Michigan had a 20 to 3 lead at halftime ended up winning 20 to 13 um it just uh it, it it's a tale of two games for them that first half looked very good for Michigan and that second half looked very poor on offense very poor Michigan only had 163 net yards of passing in this game um They've been a team that has been able to run the ball at will, but they only had 112 net rushing yards against Rutgers. They only had 15 total first downs compared to 21 from Rutgers. So if you look at this box score, total offense, Rutgers had 352, Michigan had 275. You look at this game, again, here's another stat. Michigan had five punts, Rutgers had two punts. Um well, I guess I'll finally say it. You look at this game, it looks like Rutgers won this game. And, you know, Rutgers isn't who they usually are. Rutgers is an improved team. But this leads you to believe this Michigan team, they uh, they, they want to get off to a fast start, much like any team. But they have issues finishing games like this one. And we hope that's a trend that continues. Um, I've got three things that I want to see in this game for Wisconsin. Um, and I'll, well, actually four things I want to see. I'll give us a bonus one. Um, number one, I offensively play calling. Um, I talked about it before. I, I want to see it be different. I want to see coach Christ say, okay. My quarterback is struggling. My offensive line isn't as dominant as it, you know, as we're used to seeing at Wisconsin. Let's get that ball out of Graham Mertz's hands fast. Let's get that ball into our playmakers' hands. And I'm not talking about Ches Malusi. He's been he's been getting a lot of touches. Maybe we see Jalen Berger a bit more. But I am talking about a three-headed monster that Wisconsin has that is really untapped and has been untapped this season. And that, I mean, Danny Davis at wide receiver, Kendrick Pryor at wide receiver, and, of course, Jake Ferguson. These are guys that need five to ten touches a game. I I talked about it earlier. Jake Ferguson had one catch. Kendrick Pryor had six catches. That's great. Danny Davis had five catches. That's great, and I'm talking about the Notre Dame game here. But Jake Ferguson to have one catch when he is one of the nation's top tight ends is is pretty unacceptable to me. Um, and I I think play calling can really help this offense, and that's I I want to see it against this Michigan team. Get short, quick slant routes. Get short, 
routes, get creative options to get the ball to these playmakers. We've seen Danny Davis with the ball in his hands. He is he's a playmaker. He's electric with the ball in his hands. He makes sideline catches. He makes one-handed catches. He's a good wide receiver. He might be the best wide receiver we've seen since Cephas. I know that hasn't been a long time, but Cephas is a guy Wisconsin hadn't seen in a long time before him. So get Danny Davis the ball. Kendrick Pryor is really not that far behind Danny Davis. He's also electric with the ball. He's a playmaker. And Jake Ferguson, we all know Jake Ferguson. He is... You know, he's the man at tight end. He can make one-handed catches, too. He's electric, too. And to me, he screams red zone target. I mean, guys, he hasn't had a single, well, he's had one red zone target the entire year. And that's where he made that one-handed catch falling to the ground. It's just, it blows my mind. And again, this might be because Chris feels kind of pigeon-held or doesn't have confidence maybe in Mertz or the passing game right now. But the only way you build confidence in that, the only way you build Graham Mertz up for what he is right now is to help him out with play calling. I don't want to see these 20, 30-yard passes down the field. I I don't know what Graham Mertz's completion percentage is for passes over 20 yards, but I know it's not pretty. I know he misses open guys. I just don't want to see it. It doesn't do anything but bring confidence, Graham Mertz's confidence down. So that's that's one thing I want to see against Michigan. I, I want to see the ball going to Pryor, Davis, and Ferguson's hands. Your playmakers. Number two, our turnovers are outrageous. And, um, you know, again, Graham Mertz, we got to clean it up. It's not just the interceptions that he's throwing right now. It is the fumbles in the red zone. They are things that kill games. They are things that lose games. You know, and to have one touchdown on the year and six interceptions, I don't care about the one touchdown. I'm talking about those six interceptions in three games. You just can't have it. I talked about it earlier. Wisconsin is a good team if the offense is even average. That's it. Average. To be average, you need a game manager quarterback. A game manager quarterback doesn't throw six interceptions in three games. Moving on, I don't want to talk about Graham Mertz anymore. Um, Number three, less predictable play calling. We touched on that a little bit more or a little bit earlier. It, the play calling is just, it's its its too vanilla. Last year we saw creativity when the offense struggled. We saw jet sweeps. We saw end arounds. We haven't seen them yet this year. And it, I just wonder why. You know, maybe they're not the best play in the world, but it's a different look for defense. Right now, defenses are lining up against Wisconsin with eight in the box. Their DNs pin their ear back, and they just stuff the box right now. They dare, they are daring Wisconsin to throw, and Wisconsin's just not throwing accurately. They're not throwing effectively. It's just, you know, it's just the way it is right now. Um, so, I, again, I, I just talked about it. Get, those, get the ball to those playmakers' hands. I, I just want to see it. I do. Um, and that is less predictable play calling. Um, get that ball out quick. 
Um, we just saw a game with the Green Bay Packers in which they were down to their third string left tackle. What did they do to help out that third string left tackle? Is It's the exact recipe they need to do to help out Mertz right now. Get quick action to your playmakers. Get that ball out quick. Get it into their hands. Let them have the responsibility of making the flashy plays. Don't don't put that on Mertz right now. Um, and then the bonus one, number four here, red zone efficiency. Wisconsin had the ball twice against uh, Notre Dame in the red zone where they settled for fugles. They made one, missed one, and it uh, it, it killed them. It, it, uh, it, it was a chance to go up big. When you go up big early, you change game plans for your opponent. And it would have just been, I feel like it, it could have been a different game if, uh, if Wisconsin did that. If Wisconsin had red zone efficiency, and it's been an issue, again, not to pick on Graham Mertz, but there's been fumbles, interceptions, flat out missed guys. It just has not been pretty in the red zone, and it has killed this team. And I want to see that improve against Michigan. Um, you know, that's just what it is. Um, I was going to look at some more Michigan, um, stats here. Um, we're just going to put a side by side comparison on this game very quickly here. Points per game are very skewed because of the talent, um, that the teams have played. I told you Michigan has played, I don't want to use the word lesser opponents, but they, they just have, they haven't played a ranked well, uh, Rutgers, Northern Illinois, Washington, Western Michigan. So, and Wisconsin has played Notre Dame, Eastern Michigan, and Penn State, two of those teams being ranked. Um, points per game, Michigan 40.3 to Wisconsin's 19. Points allowed per game, 11.8 for Michigan, Wisconsin 21.3. I don't like the stat points per game. Um because case in point, a 41 to 13 game against Notre Dame was, it's just not fair to Wisconsin's defense. So here's a better um, stat um, defensive yards allowed. Michigan's at 304, Wisconsin's at 212. It's, uh, it's one of the tops in the nation. Passing yards allowed. Michigan is, is uh, slightly better. They allow 171, Wisconsin allows 187. But here's a good tell of uh, where the defenses are at. Rushing yards allowed per game. Michigan allows 133 yards per game defensively. Wisconsin and its three opponents, again, two of them being ranked, has allowed just 25, 25 rushing yards per game. It's... This defense is elite. It is dominant. I hate the points per game thing. But uh, that's just a quick rundown. Um, Looking at the line, it's it's hard to believe Wisconsin's slightly favored in this. I would say that's uh, a lot because this game is in Madison and home field advantage matters. Maybe a little bit less so at at 11 a.m. kickoff. Um, you know, hopefully the student section is there early, but, um, the, I guess we'll talk about, uh, quickly passing leaders, rushing leaders and receiving leaders, the passing, uh, Michigan's quarterback is Cade McNamara. He's had a pretty decent year. Um, 
33 for 53, 534 yards at three touchdowns. He's also a threat on the ground. Um, compared to Graham Mertz, um, Mertz has passed a lot more. Wisconsin has needed to pass a lot more. 54 for 95, 566 yards, one touchdown, six interceptions. Um, rushing leaders, uh, Michigan has more of a clear number one back than Wisconsin's got its two to three horsemen, depending on the week. Um but uh, um, Corum's got 69 carries for 475 yards and seven touchdowns. And that's Blake Corum, the running back for Michigan. Ches Malusi's 69 carries, 319 yards and two touchdowns. Um, leading receiver for Michigan is Cornelius Johnson. He's got eight receptions, 198 yards and a touchdown. Wisconsin's leading receiver this year is Danny Davis. He's had a good year, 16 yards for 193 yards. That is, Those are good numbers for how much the quarterback has struggled for Wisconsin. Um, I gave you those, those keys to this game. I told you what I want to see to this game. I will tell you right now, there, this isn't going to be a high-scoring game unless it gets out of hand, uh, a la the Notre Dame game. I could. I think this game is in the teens for both teams. I think Wisconsin gets off to a good start because they're able to script the run game. They're able to script the pass game. Um, and by that, I mean if you if you don't know, um, the offensive coordinator usually comes into a game with scripted plays that he wants to run, and that's usually what they roll with the first few series. And it has looked okay for Paul Chris. It looks better than when he play calls on the fly. Um, I think Wisconsin comes out of this game really upset about that 41-13. You've heard from some of the players. If you, uh, I've, I've got a list linked on my Twitter profile. Again, that's at Badgers Riley. There is a list that you can follow of all the current Badgers players. Um, and after this last week against Notre Dame, a lot of these players are retweeting things or tweeting things about, um, you know, continuing to grind or they're either got a chip on their shoulder or they're pissed off. And they're feeling a lot of the emotions that some of these fans for Wisconsin are feeling. And they want a better showing than what's been put out there right now. So I think Wisconsin comes out fast, puts a touchdown on the board, maybe 10 points on the board right away. Um, but Michigan hangs around, and both teams are kind of stagnant. Um, you know, and I, I won't lie to you, I am a Badgers homer. So I have Wisconsin winning this game 17-14. to 14. That being said, I think it is a very ugly game with multiple turnovers on each side. Um, I gave you four things I want to see Wisconsin do. Um, and all four of these things are on offense. So I'm going to give you an added one on defense. I want this defense to get two turnovers. This defense has been dominant. It's been stellar. But it hasn't been incredibly turnover motivated yet. And Michigan's had some turnovers this year. The opportunity for Wisconsin's off defense to take the ball is there. And I want to see it happen twice. I don't care if it's an interception. I don't care if it's a fumble. I don't care if it's a, you know, a strip tackle. I, I don't care. 
I want to see this defense get the offense added opportunities, and it's not fair to the defense. I know that. Um, there is a lot of burden on Wisconsin's defense to keep them in games, and that's exactly what's going to happen in this game. But again, I have 17-14 to 14 Wisconsin. I don't think it's going to be a pretty one. I think both teams kind of hover around the 300 to 350 total yard mark. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm a Badger homer. I love Wisconsin. I tweet after every game, win or loss, it's, it's still a great day to be a Wisconsin Badger. I don't care. You know, obviously I care if the team goes 1-11, sure. But I'm still going to love this Wisconsin team. I hope everybody else does too. I think this Wisconsin team is better than people think. I think, obviously, the quarterback play needs to improve. But I think once that does, and, you know, I guess that's more of an if, but if that improves just slightly, again, an average quarterback, an average offense, this is going to be a good team. It's a Rose Bowl-bound team if that happens. That's a capital I-F for if. But, you know, I, I, I think this Badgers team can right the ship against number 14 Michigan. Uh, it, it's, it's there. It's, it's on the table for them. I, I want to see it happen. Um, please tweet at me if you think I am, you know, the most wrong person in the world. Tweet at me if you agree. I'd love the open discussion about this. I love chatting with other Badger fans about this. And I love when people, you know, Stay positive. Don't tell me this is the worst team you've ever seen because it's not true. Okay? Stop being dramatic. Watch the game. Enjoy football. This is, again, a sport. Any fan base can become toxic when things are bad. I've seen Badger's Twitter become a little bit toxic lately. I think this is a great time to right the ship and make everybody happy again. Again... Make sure to follow me on Badger at Badgers Riley on Twitter. Uh, follow Ike Badgers podcast at Ike underscore Badgers. Um, I am excited for this game. I hope you guys are too. I've got uh, barbecue wings lined up for the night before. Um, I throw those in an air fryer because I'm a weirdo and I don't love to use the grill this time of year because I my my face is plastered in front of a TV. So. I'm excited for this game. I hope you guys all are too. Again, thank you for your time. I hope you guys, um, you know, tune in next week. Until then, this is uh, Coach Riley on Twitter at Badgers Riley for Ike Badgers Podcast. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe, uh, follow on Twitter, and stay, you know, in contact with Ike Badgers, I guess. You know, we love to see the interaction. So again, have a good night, everybody, or a good day or good morning, whenever you're listening, I guess it's nighttime here. So thanks for listening and take care. I'll see you next week.